Welcome to the Celtics Pride Podcast on Celtics Blog. I am Adam Motenko. With me, as always, is my twin brother, Josh Motenko. What's up, Josh? What's happening? Josh, you sound a little slow this today. Yeah, it's early for me, you know, uh, chugging some water, trying to get my brain working. All right, bring in the energy. Mike Minkoff. Hey, guys. (laughs) (laughs) How's it going, guys? (laughs) I think we're all a little slow today. On the pod, we are talking about the summertime feel of this restart in the NBA. The Celtics' goal for this season and um, for their for the bubble time and uh, NBA players who have never proven anything in the playoffs. Mike, you mentioned in our pre-pod meeting that uh, it's just weird to watch basketball in the summertime. Yeah, I mean, to be clear, it's weird to watch basketball that matters in the summertime. Um, right. You know, there's there's summer league, and I have found uh, ways to to kind of pirate some summer league games in the middle of a workday and in past summers uh there's there's the olympics but that's got you know that that's not exhibition exactly or fiba or whatever but it's definitely not nba league games but it's very different being in the you know late fall winter in the northeast or mid-atlantic um you have the dark cold nights and you're just kind of sitting home, you don't want to go outside, you put on an NBA game, it's perfection. I'm about to be on Cape Cod for the next two months. I'm going to have uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have like nice beaches to go to in the evenings, afternoons, whenever. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different, uh, kind of convincing myself watching, watching the NBA is what I want to be doing. This, I don't know, what do you guys think? This is like totally reminding me of preseason. Uh, and I, and I, I've got a list here of um, some storylines that, to me, are very typical f- uh, puff fluff pieces that that they write in preseason. And I, I just want to run through them quickly and and ask you guys the question: Does this matter at all? Okay. First question: Kemba's or first um, piece. Kemba's knee is going to be fine. He's got a little swelling, but it's going to be okay. Does it matter? I mean, if if it's accurate, it matters. Of course, yeah, that's the huge piece. But and you can tell it's a puff piece when he's when Kemba says I'm fine. You're like, oh, Josh, uh, Jason Tatum has put on a little bit of muscle. He he acknowledged this fact, but did would not tell anybody how much he put on or what his training regimen was. Doesn't matter. Yeah, he probably just he probably just ate more and filled <laughs> out a little bit. It it does that one is, is does not matter. Okay, and this happens both ways, right? We saw it with Grant Williams too. Oh, look at this picture of Grant Williams. He must have slimmed down. I wonder what he was doing, right? Everyone's talking about their bodies and showing pictures. Yeah, well, that was also on the list, so I'll cross that one off. Mike, Carson Edwards is playing with more confidence. Nothing about Carson Edwards (laughs) in the context of the NBA matters. I'm sure he's a wonderful human being, but Carson Edwards is 10 years away from being 10 years away. These guys get along. They really enjoy each other's company, and they have a singular focus, which is to win Banner 18. Does it matter? Yes, the chemistry yes, thing be, does because, matter. Because that preceded this bubble context. Because that's a real thing with this team. But it doesn't matter now. I mean, it it does, but it's a fluff piece. <laughs> I didn't recognize that fluff piece. i got to be honest, that one got me. Uh, when Ennis Cantor came out and said that the Celtics have the best chemistry in the NBA, I literally went on a rabbit hole, deep dive th- thought process of like, Maybe defense doesn't win championships. Chemistry wins championships. Like that one got me. I went too far with that one. <laughs> yep. But yeah, wait a I second, tried to, Adam, I tried to argue over. that, and, and you were telling me why Kawhi was uh, over. Oh, I'm sure I'll be back that. to that argument. I, I, I agree with it to an extent. I overextended it though. Um, but Adam, you glossed over the Carson Edwards comment there. Don't I mean? Isn't There's nothing it, to gloss over. It was empirically fact. Carson Edwards only deserves glossing. So, but this puff piece idea that happens in the preseason, it happens because players actually are playing better in, in practice and with more confidence and more aggressiveness, you know. And so, that, so there is something there. Like all these are based on truths. Okay. Like no, because the whole point is that writing a piece on how someone's playing in practice and behind closed doors and in non-real games doesn't actually matter. The whole point is, are they ready to perform at a better level? And right. so saying this guy looks awesome in practice 
and then watching them underperform and underwhelm in games or sim- exhibitions that's that's the definition of a fluff piece that's the whole point yeah <laughs> so more, no it doesn't matter like <laughs> when carson edwards like proves he's an nba piece. player talk to me about carson edwards right he comes out and plays with the worst confidence you could ever see in a player <laughs> it's like it's <laughs> insane josh let me reality no, test it, this with a different one tremont waters can do special things on the court well that's also I, true. yeah Tremont Waters they're all, is awesome. They're all. Yeah, they're Tremont all Waters, G League Player of the Year. Tremont Waters. Put some respect on that name. Jalen Brown yeah, is also it, an activist. Look at all of the things he's doing. That's a recycled puff piece because it was it was <laughs> not puff when it came out, and then and now you're just using any recent news. No, it's it, re, in the recycle. It's a shift from Jalen Brown is really smart. Look at everything he's doing. Oh, right. To he's also an activist. Okay. <laughs> I don't think any of these, none of these things to me, not like in the grand scheme of things, none of these matter. Let's get to some games. Let's see what they can do in the playoffs. Eight games till the playoffs, baby. So, Josh, uh, there is, and we talked about this on the our previous iteration of the podcast before we came to Celtics blog. Uh, there's. Every team comes into the to every season that you have all of these puff pieces. They talk about all of the things, all of the potential that they have. And there's a dirty little secret, it sounds like, amongst coaches. Can you share your story of, of, of what that is? The dirty little secret in the NBA. Yeah. Um, I was talking to a buddy of mine who is has worked his way up in the NBA, you know, out of nowhere, gets a call. You know, you have an opportunity for an internship in the NBA, you know, and that was six, seven years ago, eight years ago when I first met him. And we were both kind of young and coming up and, and he was uh, a Dobo at a D1, Director of Basketball Operations. So, you know, and I think it wasn't a full-time paid position. It was like a part-time position. So, um, and now all of a sudden, you know, he's one of the assistant coaches in the bubble right now. And... Um, I remember having a conversation with him about a year or two ago where I just straight up asked him, like, you know, going in, like most of the leagues not winning the championship, right? It's not like, cause in, at the D one level, I feel like a lot of people think that they're, a lot of teams think that they actually have a shot to win their conference. Um, and, and this, you know, in the preseason, there's a reason there's a lot of puff pieces. Like as a coach, you're, you really do, you're working towards a goal and, and the goal is the championship of your league. And, if you have some really talented players, you think you're going to do it. And there's team after team that is talented, but not going to do it. Um, and I'm like, you know, in the NBA, like everyone knows, like if you're going to win the championship or not, if you're in that conversation. Right. And, and he, I didn't think he was going to answer. And he was like, yeah, you know, there's, there's two or three teams every year that everybody in the league knows is going to win the championship, at least like in the coaching and, and uh, front office. Um, and I was kind of like, wow, really? You're like, that's, that's actually kind of cool. Like, um, but what does that mean for the Celtics this year? You know, what does that mean for all these other teams? Like, are they, are they kidding themselves? So the coaches come into the season with some reality that they're, unless they're one of those two or three teams, they're not, they don't have a shot. Right, and he was saying that as one of those teams who was like, "We know that we don't have a shot this year, you know, because some some major things had happened." So, assuming this is true, it sounds like it is. It sounds like a very reputable source. Um, what does that mean for the teams that don't have that shot? What are they? What? What? Are, what's the? What are they trying to accomplish in a season? Well, you know, as you mentioned when we were talking about this earlier, Adam, there's a narrative. So it depends, you know, team to team, depends what the narrative is. Okay, so so let me ask you guys then. So coming into this this Celtics season, what did you feel like was the goal of the season? And how has that changed, if at all, for the bubble, given the, the time off? Like, I mean, I can I can answer this first if you want. So I think that it's for the Celtics, you're, you're coming in young. Tatum is, is obviously a different player now than he was, or 
you know, at least he was after the all-star break than, than he was at the beginning of the season. Um, and you had this expectation, or you had this hope that he would get to this level, like maybe by the playoffs or, um, so, so like, it depends on the type of team you have. We have a young, young team. And so you want them to get their feet wet. You want them to, to try to prove something. Um, Adam, you had mentioned like you want them to knock on the door and a lot of times you need to have the door slammed in your face a couple times um, in order to learn how to win. You know, I totally agree with that. Yeah, so there's, I think and, that's what and that goes at. back to uh, just the, the natural progression throughout the history of the league post 50s, 60s Celtics where you have uh, I mean, I'm thinking back to the 80s, you've got, you've got the Lakers and, and Celtics and then uh, and, and the Pistons just can't beat them, and they finally do, and then they're on top for a couple of seasons, and then Chicago, and they beat up on Chicago, and then Michael finally learns how to win in the playoffs, and the Bulls go on their, their run, and you have up-and-coming teams that, are tr- that, that need the experience of losing deep in the playoffs to figure out what it actually takes to win. And so, so for this, I, coming into this season, I was thinking exactly what you were just saying, Josh. We're pretty talented, but we're young. This season was really about getting back to a culture of team cohesion and maximizing our potential as we continue to build. As the young players develop, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum turn into stars, who, leaders of the team, taking over a bit from, from Kemba and Gordon Hayward, uh, and developing the bench. Mike, what do you think? What were your thoughts coming into the season? Yeah, I mean, basically to figure out how it all fit together, we, you know, we had the whole transition away from Kyrie and Horford to kind of a new constitution of the team. We were bringing in Cantor, um, we were bringing in Kemba, we were seeing what Rob Williams w- would give us. You know, we we started the season talking about the hole in the middle and and basically. Um, got pretty excited based on how the Celtics uh, were playing early on, uh, and particularly Rob Williams, and, and thought maybe if he you know stayed healthy and continued to develop, we we could actually get into the title con- conversation. Uh, but I, I think we were always thinking that this was basically a a, a, a development year uh, where we'd be really competitive, but not not in the title conversation uh, in a real way. Um, you know, I think to what you were saying earlier, Josh, or what your, your friend was saying, if I were to look at the Celtics front office, I would guess that Danny Ainge would have gone into the season more or less with the viewpoint that we just talked about of not really thinking the Celtics were going to win, maybe putting it at like a one or 2% chance, like outside possibility, but, but not, not the real expectation or goal for this year. I think if you ask Brad, he would probably pretty genuinely not rule out a title um, because I think that's against his coaching ethos. I think he, he genuinely, you know, he's made comments about learning early in his career at Butler uh, not to kind of put a cap on a team's, you know, what a team can accomplish. Um, And I think that was pretty embedded in the way that he approached the playoffs two years ago when Kyrie got injured. Hayward was out and we still went, you know, toe to toe with the Cavs in a seven game series. Um, so I, you know, and I think that instills confidence within the players as well. Uh, that, that brings out their best in, in these high, higher leverage moments. So, um, basically and- I, I, and I don't think Adam that, you know, my expectation for what the, for the team has really changed. Like I still don't go into the bubble now and knowing where the Celtics are, like seeing them, if, if they don't win the title, I don't view that this year as a disappointment. If they, if they can't show kind of, you know, if they, if they don't play really competitively and go toe to toe with, you know, the, the top three or four teams in the, league or the, whichever ones of them they match up against that I think might be a disappointment. But if, you know, if they get swept by the bucks or something or, or blown out by Philly or Toronto uh, on the way to the bucks, that would be a disappointment. But as long as they are playing kind of um, at or near that, that truly elite level in the NBA over the course of the season and getting, you know, getting maybe one more door slammed on them, 
to to motivate them into this whatever weird off season they're going to have um i would see the season as a, uh, as a success and so the message of this you know this realization this dirty nba secret uh as we teased it is that that you know you got to be honest with yourselves we, as celtics fans we got to be honest with ourselves Right. And um, I actually don't know if I believe this because I'm trying to be on the hype train right now for the Celtics actually winning the title. Um, but but the truth may be that, you know, we're pretty talented, but we're too young. You know, we're this is. Or in other words, like if I'm a coach on this team, I'm teasing the players like no one believes in you. You ain't special like you haven't done anything yet. Um, and I think the same is true. And. Uh, it's more also with this team, with the Celtics team, like there were games in January that were like down double digits to the Wizards. And like that's the great teams are stomping on the Wizards like throughout the, the regular season too. Like that's, that's how you often know when a, a great team is going to perform in the playoffs is they're doing what the Bucks are doing. They're doing like a historic per season. Um, yeah, I mean, Elliot. I, you know, I, I guess connecting to what you just said, Josh, um, and also, I guess, maybe reframing what I just said a little bit, like, I just think within um, organizations, and this extends beyond the NBA, you know, different different roles within kind of management teams have have different responsibilities when it comes to being, you know, being on the hype versus pragmatism spectrum. <laughs> Right. It's, it's some, it's, it, it, it's a role and responsibility for some people like a coach or maybe a manager, a manager that's working more directly with, with kind of the, the direct staff or team players or whatever it is uh, to, to kind of permeate um, an, un, an undeniable belief. Right. Um, you're setting a vision. You're setting a, you're, you're not just setting a vision. You're, you're, just you're in you know you're facilitating excellence basically you're 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 trying and to believe and, and instilling confidence right yep. um whereas you know uh someone more removed like a general manager or or director of basketball operations generally has to take a, a longer right a longer lens view uh, that that might <laughs> that might layer in uh, let's say a bit more pragmatism uh, where you have to you have to say you have to be really honest with with your strengths and weaknesses um, as an as an organization as a team and say you know maybe maybe something great could happen but the reality you know I know deep down that the reality is we're probably not winning the championship this year. And the, the gaps between where we are now and where we need to be are X, Y, and Z. And it's my job, not just to have awareness of that, but to be constantly and actively taking every, you know, reasonable measure and step I can take to moving towards X, Y, and Z so that we are at that championship level. So, you know, I, there should be, um, at least in kind of the, the front offices and at the GM level in every organization, somebody that, that understands where the team actually is relative to the competition. And <laughs> I think when you don't have that, you get something like the Knicks or <laughs> like the Knicks have been uh, where you, or how the Lakers were for a few years there where you're just like acting like you're fine when you're clearly a mess um, and that, that's when organizations really are, are, uh, show themselves to be dysfunctional. It's the, it's those roles and, and that vision setting, confidence building, uh, piece to coaching and, and front office, uh, roles that it makes it so surprising that this guy shared that information as objective, potentially observers as outside of observers as fans. I, I'm taking a different kind of approach where it's like, no, we can, we can be real about what these expectations are and honest with ourselves that we should not be expecting the Celtics to win the title here. Uh, and this is, this was true in the beginning of the season. I, I think it's still true. Uh, and it's a bit of a counterweight to our conversation in our previous podcast about whether the Celtics can win the title, um, which was far more optimistic, uh, 
Now, in terms of how the bubble and the coronavirus uh, changes things, I'm really interested. Josh, are, do, what are your thoughts on, on how this time off and now the bubble, the different um, environment that players are, are in, how does that impact uh, the way that the Celtics are thinking about their goals or the way we should be as outside observers? About our goals? Um, about what's what's possible for this season yeah so so it's almost like that i feel like there's everybody's got this attitude like we there's there's less distractions almost like there's less things that are like mental toughness the mental toughness of like going on the road is not as important um because there is no going on the road so you take that out of the equation and now you can just focus on basketball it's almost like it's uh, easier or something like like there's less less like question marks in it and I I think it's the opposite I feel like there's just so many more question marks and things are changing so fast you know from like all of a sudden now now you know this team's out of the picture because Sabonis is you know leaves the bubble because he's got a major he's got plantar fasciitis you know so uh, okay the Pacers are now completely done right Oladipo is probably not going to play now right um, so you know, teams are kind of dropping and that can happen with any team at any moment. Um, so it's almost like this, this idea that anything can happen in the bubble, um, I think is, you know, it kind of makes it a little bit like the NCAA tournament where um, you really can't predict things like you think you can. It sounds like that would give a team that isn't one of those top two or three that everybody knows is going to win the title a better shot. Yeah, now everybody has a chance to win the title. You're messing with me. How, how much do you really believe that that increases those those chances? I don't. I okay. think that the games when you don't play well and your whole team loses, and you see yourself on the news at halftime, which the players do, and then at the end of games, like you're 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 just as motivated as you would be if you were on the road with all the fans there. Like, yeah, there's a different kind of mental toughness involved in that, but it's still both are still resiliency it's still about i got to get this done in the game not some fluff piece about how i've been doing it in practice mike any thoughts on the bubbles impact or this this different context contextual environment um i mean i you know we talked about it a little bit in our last episode or some of the th- like i think i think there's some unanswered questions like a team like philly who was a terrible road team uh, and a great home team, like does, uh, does the bubble environment play in their favor or hurt them as a result? Um, I think remains to be seen, but I, I wouldn't, I certainly don't think it's kind of sets, sets a level, level playing field and it's anyone's up for the taking. You know, I think, I think like we discussed, there's still kind of a clear top tier of three teams uh, and the Celtics and Raptors, I would put kind of at the next tier um, under that. Um and we'll see. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I I do think there's a lot of uncertainty as to as to just just how how much how teams were playing during the regular season um, will translate and and kind of be reproduced in the bubble environment. Uh, so there's certainly uncertainty there. But but I would my hunch is that for the most part the precedent that had been set will be retained. Josh, you, you said you think it's harder to be in the bubble than it is in a normal situation. And, and I would agree just from this standpoint that anytime humans experience change and transition, that there's a, an adjustment process to that, which can uh, be difficult for people. And I think that players are away from their families. They're outside of their normal um, way of doing things and and there's definitely going to be some transition for them in in dealing with this and and i think there's a psychological component to that as well and an emotional component um and one of the things that i'm really hoping for in a successful experience for the celtics whatever however you define that is that i'm fully expecting the 2020 to 2021 season to look similar to this bubble and i really want the celtics to get comfortable with what this looks like now and uh, to be able to, to be more effective next season, which 
I would say is going to have a much higher expectation around what success looks like. And I'm hoping the Celtics can uh, be one of those teams that are the top two or three who everybody kind of knows those are the ones that are really gunning for the, the title and have a shot. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's switch gears. Um, one of the things that determines whether a team is successful in the playoffs is their experience being there, doing it. Uh, so I, LeBron, to me, seems locked in and has been throughout the quarantine. He's been working out really hard. He's, like, focused, and he's trying to win a title. He After not uh, – was he did – he, did, no, they didn't even make the playoffs last year, right, L.A.? No. Uh, so after last year, he, this, he's, he doesn't have too many shots left. So I think he's trying to take advantage of this, and you could see that. Um, and he's done it before. Josh, you, you made a list here of players that – haven't really shown much in the playoffs or haven't proven anything yet. Uh, let's talk about that. Who's on your list? So yeah, based based on the theory that you know who's going in, who's winning the championship going in, going into this season, that team was playing in the Staples Center. You know, it was either the LA Clippers or the LA Lakers. Um, and I started thinking, like I put on my green color glasses, my Celtics green glasses, and I was like, Wait a second. Like, what have these guys really done? Like, what has Anthony Davis really done in the playoffs? What is, what is like? I've, I've always hated James Harden and felt like he he's underperformed in the playoffs. Um, and I felt the same way about Westbrook, especially last year. And then I started thinking, like, oh, wait a second. Like, what about Kemba? Like, he's never done anything in the playoffs. Like, there's got to be a story in there somewhere. Or is this even? Is this even true, or is this just me wearing my Celtics green glasses? Like, what's Embiid done in the playoffs? What's Giannis done? Like, obviously Embiid, us. Embiid had the an insane plus-minus in last year's playoffs. Um, like the on-off numbers, I don't, I don't remember them offhand, but the on-off numbers when Embiid was on for Philly, the 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 Sixers were like plus thirteen as a team. And then they were like minus 12.8 or something when he was off. Or, or may, maybe it was even more than that. I mean, you know, as much as it pains me to acknowledge, the Sixers were a crazy bounce on the rim away from, you know, being potentially going to the finals. Uh, and they, they would have had a chance to have beaten the the Warriors if, if Kawhi's shot had bounced a different way. You know, that was game seven. Um and the the Raptors got the roll, and then we're able to 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 go from there. So Embiid actually, like when he's fit and locked in, I think the hype around him is is uh, unfortunately justified. Uh, the The question with him is always going to be his conditioning and ability to stay on the court, um, and then the broader questions about that team construction. But I don't know. Embiid Embiid showed up pretty well last last postseason. 20 points per game, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, 42% field goal percentage, 30% from 3. You know, solid, not great, at least numbers-wise. So, Josh, when you when you are, are saying these are players who haven't proven anything, what does that mean? What does, it, what do you, when you, what does proving something look like? To me, it means winning. I mean, Kemba's never yeah. gotten out of the first round of the playoffs. So he's number one on the list to me. And and um, and in my list, next I'm hating Harden and Westbrook next because that's who I am. Um, but I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. You got you to gotta be – like to me, Harden, like I'm looking him up. It's like he's been in the playoffs, you know, 10 years. So like I can't really be saying that about a guy who gets there every year. So – but he's a legendary player. He's going to go down as, as you know, one of the best offensive players the game's ever seen. Um, you expect that he would go like further this. in the playoffs, right? So, like, shouldn't the expectations be higher for him? Yep. Well, isn't I mean, isn't that the problem for him? Why, why some, why you would put him on this list? I think the expectations for him are outrageously high because he's. Uh, has he won the MVP once or twice? Just once, right? Uh, but he's yeah. a he's an MVP. He's a scoring a scoring champ. He's one of the best offensive players to ever play the game. Um, and 
his, you know, he's run into one of uh, the all-time best teams. Uh, they went toe-to-toe with them and were maybe possibly, a you know, a Chris Paul hamstring injury away from beating the Warriors two years ago or whatever it was, three years ago, um, in in a seven-game series or even possibly a six-game series. Um, I think there's some criticism and again i don't have all the numbers to to back this up you know i generally i think players in the playoff like on average they right their performance dips a little bit the truly great players like the the all-time all-time greats uh either at least stay the same or actually get better yeah um and there are very few I, i think lebron actually his numbers improve a little bit in the postseason, Jordan's numbers I think improved in the yeah. postseason, um, yeah. and there are, there are some other guys, but there those two are easy. <laughs> just easy so what about Westbrook? No, no so, what about Westbrook? I, I'm not arguing Westbrook. Westbrook hasn't proved crap in the playoffs, but I think I think Harden has proven something, but not much. Like based on the these these, these categories here, like I I don't think it's fair to say he hasn't proven anything. He's right. he's been to the Western Conference Finals. He went toe to toe against the best team, you know. Again, like probably a top four team ever. Um, he has has he performed at his regular season historic levels in the playoffs? No. Um, so to me, that says he has probably proven that he's not. You know, he doesn't have the makeup like of Michael Jordan, right? He doesn't. He clearly doesn't elevate his game to another level in the postseason but that doesn't mean he hasn't proven anything he's still he's still really good (laughs) he's just not he's just not a true like top five all-time type player what about Giannis Anthony Anthony Davis he lifts his play a little bit you know I was I was kind of it's hard to bring that kind of a team that he had you know as far further than he did I think Uh, I mean Um, did he was it really i don't know i mean i feel my vague recollection of that series because they just got out of the first round once and that like was buoyed a lot by a drew holiday playing out of his mind and rondo being stupid playoff rondo like (laughs) just playing way better than he had any right playing based on how he had played for the entire regular season um and not that anthony davis didn't have anything to do with it but I don't know. He's a complicated guy, Anthony Davis, for me to evaluate. I, I don't. He's obviously extraordinarily talented, but then it hasn't led to as much winning as one would hope. And he doesn't like. There are a lot of analogs with kind of KG in uh, Minnesota, except I think KG just had kind of a, an elite level of defense and kind of leadership that Anthony Davis can't touch um, that, that makes a comparison pretty imperfect at the, at the same time. I like that KG comparison to Anthony Davis. That makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, Davis had a, that series a couple of years ago where he went nuts and really showed who he could be. Um, and it really, uh, his move to LA is really interesting to me because I, I started questioning whether he could be the best player on a championship team. And, and I've been, in love with Anthony Davis since since he was in college. I just think he's such an unbelievable talent. Um, you and Danny Ainge. Yeah, I mean, and so now that he's with LeBron, it's kind of the storyline is LeBron's leading and he's he's providing some talent and support. Uh, and until you see a changing of that guard uh, in terms of their who plays better in a series. Uh, I, I don't think you can call AD the best player on a championship team. But I don't I don't think it's just who plays better. I think, you know, it, it's the whole alpha concept, right? Like right. LeBron will always be the alpha to Anthony Davis. And there's, I don't know that there's really anyone that LeBron wouldn't be alpha to in the NBA KG. contract. Right now, no, no, I'm saying right now. I'm saying like in the like I don't right, know but, who you and, compare. And I'm saying, no, there are people I'm, out there. Yeah, Jordan, KG, Kobe, like would all probably out alpha. I'm not arguing that. Um, what I'm saying is that's where the diff, the similar. Yeah. 
that's a, that's a difference Andy I was Davis drawing between AD stock, and KD. You know? Exactly. Precisely. LeBron's 35. He's yeah. he's still the alpha. When he turns 37, 38, he's not going to be able to play the same. And Anthony Davis will then be a better player. And and I, I think that's yeah, going to show on the court. We were saying that when he was 32. When he was 32, I we were saying he's 32. When he's 35, he's not going to be able to do this anymore. So yeah, are you saying gonna he's going to be different? By, LeBron is the Tom Brady of, of the NBA? Yeah, he could I think like I think like an old like quote unquote worse version of LeBron is basic like when he gets to like 38, 39, 40 is basically like just past Carl prime Carl Malone. Yeah. I'm going to stand by that. Except he'll shoot threes. Yeah. More threes. So, and so be a better Anthony passer. Davis's numbers <laughs> Anthony Davis's numbers only in two seasons, but in the playoffs they go up slightly. Giannis's numbers go down slightly. In the playoffs, so Giannis is an interesting case here because his only flaw is his outside shooting, and that is one of the things that teams will will give him in the playoffs in order to uh, create a wall uh, at the hoop and uh, a bleeping wall. To be <laughs> thank clear. you. I'm hearing the gravelly voice in my head of of uh, Tibbs. So uh, I, I mean, he's like. Case number one for me of you haven't proven anything in the playoffs yet. He's this guy's yes. winning MVPs in the regular season, and until yeah. he and can might, really might show be. it, either and and to me that means until he can start hitting threes at a respectable rate, so that they actually guard him out there, and that will totally change what the defense looks like, and and he will just be a even greater menace. Uh, he's he so, hasn't proven it yet, and so and and part of this, Josh, this like, well, you haven't proven anything in the playoffs. It's a challenge to these players. It's it's a uh, uh, show me or else you're nothing, right? And yeah, absolutely. And this is as I started thinking about this list, I was like, okay, who's who's actually in the conversation? Like, I didn't put guys like Jokic on this list because I don't think the Nuggets are really in the conversation to win at all. To me, the people in the conversation are, you know, at least going into the year, like maybe Philly was outside, maybe Milwaukee was outside looking in, but it's really the two teams in LA and, you know, of course, my Celtics. And then I started thinking like, wait a second, are the Clippers affected by this? You know, did the Clippers have guys who haven't done anything in the playoffs who were thinking about like, man, what has he done in the playoffs? I don't feel like the Clippers have those guys. Kawhi, um, he's proven it. about Playoff P actually is not that good in the playoffs historically. Uh, he, I, I should take that back. He was not great in OKC, but he was he did, definitely had some great runs with the Pacers. Yeah, he's led those those Pacers teams deep in the playoffs. Um, and then you look at you know all the supporting cast of the pick and roll combo they got coming off the bench, and you know like. I don't question those guys' intensity in the playoffs or Pat Beverly in the playoffs. Like, I'm not questioning that. Nope, nobody is. So are they, are, I mean... Trying to run through the does mental that mean, list. Does that mean... Other teams in the potential conversation. It's the Lakers and Clippers and maybe Milwaukee. Those are the, the contenders, right? I, yes, exactly. That's it. Shouldn't but Ben Simmons bubble, be on the know. list? I was thinking the ben, same thing. Ben, ben Simmons ben should be on the list. On the, hasn't proven anything list, and he, you know, he's. I think he's a more glaring version of the, what you were talking about with Giannis. Like I think Giannis. He, I think he, I think you've got him in the right place, Josh. He, he's proven a little bit. Like he's still a nightmare. Even when he's performing at a lower level in the playoffs, he's still a nightmare for the opposing team. Um, but he hasn't proven he hasn't proven enough. It's it's somewhat similar to Harden in my opinion, but but not he doesn't have as long a history as Harden does at least. Um, Simmons, what has he done? Like the the Sixers weren't better that much better with Simmons on versus off the floor. I don't think in the playoffs last year. 
kind of the opposite of Embiid. Yeah, he's strong. And he has he has all the weaknesses, right? This outside shooting thing, and obviously, and um, he's an elite defender, which which matters, but but he's he cannot be maximized. His value cannot be maximized, or the Sixers' value cannot be maximized, and, unless he performs at a, a different level in the playoffs. Is Chris Paul on he's this just list? So young, you know. Like if you put Ben Simmons on this list now, all of a sudden you're you got to put you know, maybe Tatum or Brown on this list, you know, and, and, or even smart, you you know, I don't know. Do you like those guys brought the Celtics to the Eastern conference finals two years ago? Right. So as young, young, the younger players are harder to put on this list. They're not, the younger players haven't proven anything anyway. And you didn't expect them to, because they were first, second, third year players like Ben Simmons. He's still too young. He's a third year guy. But again, I mean, I yes, but I would say that even if you took out that early career factor, like haven't the haven't those are young the young Celtics proven themselves? Like, is proving yourself only winning a title? Or right. No, of course. Winning relative to expectations, right? In which case, I think they have proven themselves. Wait a second. You're saying that the the Celtics, like the the big four on the Celtics, that they, or at least. Tatum and Brown that you feel like they have proven something in the playoffs? Because yes. the whole big four for the Celtics is on this list for me. Me too. All, all in the same place. Yeah. No. Uh, so uh, I to would know, put, To me, to me they're, all, they're all on the list. I haven't proven anything. And I would put Tatum and Brown as, and Smart as having proven something but not much. No, Hayward, Hayward I would put with Kemba. I don't think Hayward's proven anything in the playoffs. To me, it's this Hayward. is a black and white list. Either you've you've won a title, or you've done something really impressive, taking your team deep in the playoffs, or you you. How de- have Tatum and Brown not done that? The second thing you just said. How have they not done that? Uh, is, are you talking two years ago? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that they literally carried the team to Game Seven against the Cavs. That we could have won. We were like eight minutes away from winning. This was in the Eastern Conference Finals, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. That was very compelling. I'm, I'm reluctant. <laughs> I'm reluctant to accept that. Uh, why? I, uh, explain. I need an explanation because to me, they they have proven that. Like, I think Brown and Tatum have both consistently proven that they elevate their game in big moments. And that that playoff run was an exclamation point on it. Last season was a complete, set, I, you know, a wash in dysfunction. I, look, but, I agree. I agree that that they've played well relative to the, the expectations of them or their role on the team. But what we're talking about here are superstars in the league who put their team on their back and carry them. And and the, the Celtic, the, Brown and Tatum did not do that. They had Horford on that team leading them. Um, it, it was... Rozier. You, yeah, you had, that was a collective effort. Those are the two guys that were averaging over 20 points a game. Correct. They was, it those, was Adam, collective. Those are the guys who were leading. It was collective, but I mean Hor- Horford is a fair is a fair point because Horford was this, the 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 binky basically, right? He was like the safety blanket. Um, but Rozier is not anybody's safety blanket. <laughs> he did play very well. I was well trying to too. distract you guys. He, he did play well. You guys no, he played very well. Moment with the Rozier comment. It he did work. play play very well in that playoff series. Um, so, so Chris, is there anyone Chris else who Paul, deserves to be on this list? Chris Paul Chris is Paul. somebody that I would absolutely put on this list. And he's a great example for this argument because he is going to go down as somebody who could never win a title. And that is going and, and that that is going to overshadow his his playoff resume. Uh, he's taken teams deep into the playoffs. He's played well in the playoffs, but he's ne- never been able to get over the hump. And and so he's he's like, I mean, I wouldn't say he's never proven anything, but to me, there's there's a black and white. Have you proven yourself in the playoffs? And Paul is as as underwhelmed. 
So, but that's an that's an interesting one because Paul is actually, I think, one of the players whose playoff numbers get better. Doesn't surprise me. Let's look. Um, 20, which twenty-one points per game. But but Paul Paul I think is Eight also interesting because I think if he was on a team with LeBron, he would not accept not being an alpha, and I think I think that's relevant. I don't. I don't know if he would succeed at being the alpha, which is why I said it the way I said it. Um, but I think that reality with Paul is actually an important factor in why he's never been on a team or in a position to win the title. Though he, though obviously he, he and Harden were super close. Um, because I because I think the team needs to be built around him, and there you know for whatever reasons there the, those teams have had too many flaws to overcome. But I do I'm pretty sure he's one of those players that actually gets better in the playoffs. He's not. He's not. He he's really similar to his during the season numbers. But you're not. I mean, you're, from, I bet you're not looking at his efficiency numbers. No, I'm looking at the old school. You know, <laughs> field goal percentage, yeah. three yeah, point I percentage. I don't care about the numbers you're looking at. Those don't matter to me. <laughs> I love Mike. I love how you knew which statistics Josh was looking up. You're like, I know Josh, and I know he's not into advanced <laughs> statistics. Well, so let's let's answer this. I mean, what's his plus minus, Mike? I, love it. I will let me pull up basketball. Well, you guys discuss so, other players. So for me, for me, Tatum and Brown are similar in in that they're not like they didn't get they weren't really given. The opportunity in terms of role, in terms of place on the team, I get that they were kind of carrying that team at the time, but it's different. This is not, they were not superstars putting a team on their back. That's what we're talking about here. And Hayward is is another one that we haven't really talked about who had some opportunities with Utah as well. He's never done anything in the playoffs either. Would you agree, Josh? No, I think that year in Utah, he played 11 games. He led that whole team, averaged 24 a game. Like he he was doing what he was supposed to do, and and I think he was putting that team on his back. I mean, can't you pick any he, playoff team and identify a player who's playing the best and say, well, he did what he was supposed to do, so he's he raised something his level in the playoffs. He raised his level of play and got them out of the first round. I mean, as the as the leader of the team. I think that that I mean there's other guys on this list who've done the same, right? Obviously. Um he's only had three years, three seasons where he's been in the playoffs, so he's inexperienced overall. Um, but that's you know similar to Embiid, um, similar to Kemba on this list. I'm sorry. There's no way that you can have Giannis <laughs> on this list given the way that he's played or Embiid or Harden, and then start talking about Tatum and Brown being on the list. It's insane to me. So, right. So I didn't come into this saying this was a perfect list. I came into this saying there's a story in here somewhere. Um, And the story is that we're not talking about the Clippers when we're talking about this list. That's the story. I think that says something. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, to me, Kawhi is currently the best player in the NBA. Until somebody else knocks him off as the, the player who proves it in the playoffs, uh, which, which he's currently the reigning champion, uh, he's the best player. So, and, and I think he's going to prove that again in these playoffs. And we keep forgetting about him. We keep underestimating him. I agree. And that's why this will become the year of Doc Rivers where everyone is now finally realizing that Doc Rivers is a top 10 all-time coach uh, and where he will potentially be top 10 in all-time wins and uh, or either either at the end of this year or at the end of next year, I'd have to look. Or, and that he's, if he wins coach of the year, he'll, be, uh, he'll have two or three of those. You know, he's, I don't, he's not winning coach of the year. Up. Because that, I mean, went, they've decided well, yeah, that that's on the raising, they've decided coach of the year is, is uh, that all of these awards are going to be based on the regular season, uh, at, right? Up which until means, which means before the bubble, right? Which means next year's coach of the year award, he would then get a consideration for that if he wins the championship this year, right? In that's the true. bubble, um, and and then people are like, wait a second, Doc, he's one of the all-time greats. What, Doc Rivers? 
And yeah, he is. If you look at championships, if he wins this year, if you look at Coach of the Year awards, if you look at uh, all-time wins, you know he's he's right up there, and nobody realizes it. And that storyline will come out in the playoffs. You heard it here, folks. Heard it here first. Wow. And I don't think we're. Ca- I don't think Mike is coming back with the. Uh, no, I've got. I've got it. I didn't want to interrupt back. you. I've got it. I've got it. Go for it. Uh, but you, it, it, I was wrong. You hear? You hear? You hear me say that, Josh? I was wrong. Uh, I know you're wrong. He, he got worse. You, you know I'm wrong, Josh. Of course you're wrong. Chris Paul got worse in the playoffs. Yes, he got worse in the. Why, of course, was I wrong, Josh? Because, Mike, you know you're trying to you're trying to argue advanced stats as as a uh, as the end all be all. So whatever you're talking about, you're probably wrong. First of all, second of all, you're talking about Chris Paul. Did you watch any of those Clippers teams that he was on? He he uh, um, he underachieved when it mattered. They did not do well uh, in a couple of playoff runs. That's for sure. <laughs> hey, Josh, who coached those underwhelming Clippers teams? You know, there's this guy top ten coach in that history. Going to start talking about, you know, um, um, yeah, that, those Clippers teams helped him and Chris Paul get a bunch of wins, and those those two guys are legendary guys. I actually think that Chris Paul is one of these guys. I've heard from coaches that have worked with him that he's kind of a prima donna, and. I feel like he's one of those guys who's like, no, he's actually a legend. Like that's that's actually legitimate. He should be a prima donna. Like he is, he if he walks around like he's kind of special. Like he, he is. Chris Paul is kind of special. Like he's he's a legit legend. Like if Larry Bird walks around like he's kind of special, there's a reason for that. Um, I feel like Chris Paul is kind of in that upper echelon all time. Like you're talking about the best six one point guards of all time. It's Isaiah Thomas and him. That's it. All right, we got to wrap this up. Any final thoughts? Yeah, the Clippers are winning the NBA title this year. You heard it here first. I do not think it, the Clippers are going to win. I do. I would. I will take the the not Clippers side of the house. I will take the other Celtic final. <laughs> Clippers Celtics. I think it'll be. I think it'll be Lakers Bucks. Or thanks yeah. for listening no. to. The Celtics Pride Podcast here on Celtics Blog. Have a good afternoon, evening, or morning. Enjoy. Enjoy.